If they said, I want to be a, a thought leader, what do we need to do? First, you have to find that niche that you actually have the opportunity to dominate, and then you have to use one content type and one platform consistently delivering over time before you diversify into other things. And that's how I think you make it happen. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership, where we believe you must have a clear personal brand. Otherwise, you'll be stuck in the sea of sameness and fail to differentiate yourself from all the other competitors out there. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, Michael, am I excited about our guest today. Our guest today is none other than Joe Polizzi, the author of the landmark book, Content Inc., the founder of the Content Marketing Institute, the very man who coined the phrase content marketing. I am so excited to have this man on our show. Me too. I've I've read Joe's book and it was absolutely amazing. And I am so excited to get into asking him some questions today. And I think you, our listener, are going to love this guest and what he has to share with you. So with no further ado, let's meet Joe. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, geez, uh, so much for setting low expectations, guys. This is, oh, uh, yeah. The bar is way high. We know you're going to jump it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fun being on. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Joe, we like to start off every show by asking you, our guest, a very powerful and very specific question. What has brought you to where you are today to be the thought leader when it comes to the word content marketing? How'd you get to be Joe Polizzi? Well, first of all, I don't know if I'm the thought leader. There are many uh, smart, amazing people. I probably get more credit than I deserve. But, you know, I I think the biggest thing is probably persistence because I started what is now Content Marketing Institute in 2007. And in 2009, all signs were pointing that this thing was not going to work that uh, there was not enough energy around the the term content marketing or the practice in itself. I mean, obviously we were at least in the, the States and around the world. I mean, it was a global recession and people had pulled back on marketing. And I, and I, to be honest, I mean, we were burning through cash and I had two small kids. My wife wasn't working. I'm like, I don't think, I don't think this was a good decision to start this company. <laughs> I might want to go find a job. And I actually did it, you know, two years after we started this thing, I started looking for a job. I didn't think it was going to make it. But, uh, you know, I just had, I don't know if it was faith or just um, ignorance or what it was, but, you know, I, I like every, every day I look at my, this notebook I had, I had goals set. I really, it really was important to, to start this, this business and, put everything I had into it to make it successful. And then you know, after 2009, did a did a little bit of a pivot. And in 2010, 2011, really things started to take off. And maybe most people would have given up by that point and just went back to, to a job and say, hey, that was it. We gave it a shot. But so I would say whether you call it grit or persistence or just sheer stupidity, whatever it was, hung around long enough. And, and that that's what I... That's what I found with a lot of my friends that tried to be entrepreneurs and tried to start a business is they just didn't give it enough time. They just didn't understand how long it actually takes to start a successful business and see it through. So that, that's probably what I would say. Joe, I really love what you said. So 
to you, our listener, you may be uh, in the shoes Joe was in when he started uh, the Content Marketing Institute. You may be in a job that, that you hate or a job that's sucking the life out of you, uh, or you may have already taken the leap to entrepreneurship, but it's not going the way you want it to. Joe's message is powerful because, Joe, essentially what you're saying is to practice grit. What Dr. Angela Lee Duckworth says is the key determinative factor on whether you succeed or fail, isn't it? Well, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i be honest. I'm no smarter than anyone else. I have no particular access greater than anyone else. There's no reason why I should have been successful or, or my family should be successful or the company should have been successful. There were many other companies that actually had a clear path to dominate uh, the the industry of content marketing, but chose for whatever reason not to. And when, as I look back now, it's, you know, we just celebrated our 10th year in business and I look back on it and I said, well, what is the distinguishing factor between our organization and everyone else? It's, it's really that we just didn't give up. No matter what happened, we just kept faith uh, and kept moving forward and, uh, you know, just kept making decisions to keep action rolling just to keep this movement forward as much as we possibly could. So I totally agree with you. You know, uh, Dr. Angela Lee Duckworth wrote the book Grit, which really uh, is an in-depth study of what are the characteristics of people who succeed. And I would say that you just demonstrated that in spades. Are you familiar with her work? I'm not, but I just wrote it down. So I'm, go- I'm going to be uh, after, we, uh, after we get done talking. No, it's, it, it's really, really good stuff. You know, the, the title of this podcast is The Business of Thought Leadership. So our listener is really interested in the commercialization aspect of what you do and what you have to share with us. How did you go about turning your expertise in content marketing into a commercial success? It's all about creating a media company and a media platform. Um, and ba- basically, I wrote a book in 2015 called Content Inc., and it lays out the entire model. It, it was it was kind of half, this is how you should do content marketing, and the other, other half was the story of how we built Content Marketing Institute. But there's just a couple things. First of all, if you're going to focus, let's say you were talking about thought leadership here and you want to be successful in it, you actually have to focus on an area where you have the chance and the opportunity to be the leading expert in that particular niche. So let's say you're going out and you want to be a thought leader in a certain area and there's 20, 30, 50 other individuals or companies that already have a stranglehold in that area. You have to go deeper. You have to go smaller. You have to go more niche because you're going to have to do a lot of work to break through those 20, 30, 50 people. So the first thing is you have to identify what we call the content tilt. So is there a area of little to no competition where you actually have a chance to break through all that clutter? So the first thing is to find that niche. And the second thing is build that platform. You have to, and, and what we what we found, very successful thought leaders and, and thought leaders that actually build their own whether it's a digital platform, print platform, or online platform, they focus on four things. They focus on one content type for the most part. So is it audio, video, or textual? They focus on one key platform. Is it YouTube for video? Is it iTunes for a podcast like you guys do? Is it my blog or website for textual content? They distribute their content consistently So that means if you're doing a blog three times a week, that's Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. That's not just any three days of the week. And then they do it over a long period of time. And we see the most successful thought leaders in the world that do this for 12 to 18 months or more. So if you said, Joe, I want to be a thought leader, how long does it take? It takes way longer than 12 months. 
to build your platform. So it's those four things. So if I was going to tell anybody, hey, you want, if they said, I want to be a, a thought leader, what do we need to do? First, you have to find that niche that you actually have the opportunity to dominate. And then you have to use one content type and one platform consistently delivering over time before you diversify into other things. And that's how I think you make it happen. It's beautiful. I, I read your book, Joe. I loved it and uh, was very valuable. I, I, I think it would be interesting to, to lay out from your perspective, how valuable that is. It's not 12 months, maybe it's not even 18, maybe it's 24 or 36 months even. Yep. But what's the outcome when you actually do it right? Well, so the key to this whole thing is, so you have to ask yourself some, some high level questions. Why do you create content? Why do you build a platform? It's all about building an audience. So that's all I care about. My only thing is, is if you build an audience that knows, trusts and likes you, then you can extract money in some way through that relationship. That's from other people wanting to reach that audience or from the audience directly. So once you build that audience, there's actually 10 different ways that you can make money. You can make money like a traditional media company does through advertising, through sponsorships, through through donations even, through, through uh, subscriptions, whatever, however you're doing that, that's how a traditional media company might make money. Or you could do it uh, we do it in content marketing. You might create that uh, relationship with an audience to sell more products and services. You could do it to uh, to keep customers longer, to increase the yield of what they're spending with you. You could sell new services like some kind of consulting services to them. All in all, 10 different ways to make that happen. And that's why I love when you're thinking about becoming a thought leader and you actually build an audience. And by the way, if you, it, it doesn't have to be like our audience at Content Marketing Institute, we have about 200,000 opt-in email subscribers. Um, that's a really solid number for a B2B media company. But it could be, for you, it could be 5,000. It could be even 1,000 if they have enough buying power. I remember a project I did with old Agilent Technologies, Hewlett Packard Agilent Technologies. This is 15 years ago. And they only targeted 200 executives. And why do they only target 200 executives? Because those executives had multi-million dollar buying power. And so that's all they wanted to do is build that relationship with 200 people. So it doesn't necessarily matter the size, it matters the buying power. That's why, in my opinion, if you're going to do this and become a thought leader, it's much easier to do this on the B2B side than the business to consumer side because the numbers uh, just don't have to be as large. Yeah. You know, your story is interesting because you actually started creating all of this in some way. My, my perspective was in happenstance. You, you left work or you were, you were uh, transitioned. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you actually created an audience and you started to create content before you even knew what it was you were going to be selling to that audience. Can you share a bit more about that? Well, that's, uh, yeah, again, that's sort of, um, whether you call it dumb, dumb luck or whatever uh, whatever the case was, I actually- Brilliance. The, yeah, well, whatever. And now it looks brilliant. But <laughs> that's another word for dumb luck, and then, brilliance. Well, exactly. Yeah, so basically, I the product that we, I was, I was in this executive role at a very large business-to-business media company, and I wanted to launch a product, and the product was basically eHarmony for content marketing. So we were going to match up brands that wanted- that needed content marketing services with agencies that could provide those services. So I thought it was a brilliant idea. It was absolutely fantastic. But it, it took about nine to 12 months to get the product up and running. I'm like, well, what, what am I going to do up until that point? So I said, well, 
I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to start talking about these concepts and I'm going to start talking about content marketing for enterprise brands and hopefully they'll start to be interested in what I'm talking about and then they will come to the site and they'll realize we have the service and it'll be great and it'll, it'll all work out. Well, the, the product itself in 2008, 2009 actually didn't do that poorly. We, we matched up about 1,000 brands. Some of these were multi-million dollar projects. Unfortunately, we didn't get the multi-million dollars. Other people did. And uh, they these agencies that we're targeting, they didn't really want to pay for the service that we had. So we, ha we, we were building a lot of goodwill, a lot of transactions, but unfortunately, none of that money was going into our pocket. So we had a big problem. That's where you know, in 2009, we came came to that come to come to Jesus point, whether or not we could actually make it. So then, what it realized, actually, I fell in love with this this matchmaking product. And what I should have been doing is listening to the audience. When the audience was saying, "Look, Joe, you know, we don't we can't we don't have time. We we don't have a need for your service. But what we really need is we need training. We need consulting. We need education on what content marketing is. I need to uh, I need to convince my higher ups that this is something that we should invest in. We need that. And I was sort of ignoring that the whole time because I was focusing on this product or service that hardly any of my audience could buy. But we got lucky because over that time we had quite a few thousands of people that were paying attention to the blog that opted into the email newsletter that we created and then realized, oh my goodness, what if we just focused on what the audience wants? And they're asking for all this other stuff that we don't provide. And that's in 2009, we did the pivot. 2010, we renamed Content Marketing Institute, started offering basically everything was around training and education and totally transformed and you know, and, and then we became the fastest growing business media company in North America as per Inc. Magazine a couple of years later. And that was simply by once we built the audience and the audience began to trust us, we just listened to them and they said, hey, we, we'd like this training or we'd like this consulting or can you, we'd love to go to an event around content marketing. And we just started to launch those products and it all worked out. And Funny enough, I mean, you talk about the book Content Inc. And then I just started to find all these examples of other companies that did the same thing. They just built an audience first and then started to launch all these products and services. And now, as an entrepreneur, I see that, oh my gosh, this is the greatest way. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and start a company, it's much better to build an audience and then launch a product or service instead of launching a product or service that you'll probably have to pivot later. Probably is not going to work out and find out, really go the hard way, sort of like we did. Why don't you just start off building? that audience and then you can offer them whatever they ask for it's brilliant we'll be right back with the rest of our interview with today's guest welcome to another segment of strategies for growing your business with myself and my co-host michael palmer and today we're going to talk about clarity the importance of having a clear message and being clear about who your ideal target market is. So Michael, why is it so important to have a clear message? Well, number one, in the market, you're just one other competitor with your, your competition. And unless you have an edge, you're always going to be competing on the lowest common denominator. And a clear message is one of those edges that when you nail it, you can stand out from the crowd far, far above and be recognized as the authority in that marketplace. And a clear message is typically around your expertise and what you actually do for your client. Not what you do, 
It's what you do for your client. And so when they can see that and understand that message clearly, you will stand above your competitors. That's super important, isn't it? Because let's face it, if you're listening to this podcast and you are saying, okay, I'm a brand new coach, or maybe I've been around for a while and I do my stuff, and you've got nothing that sets you apart, and there's not that element of clarity in your message, you're going to have a tough slog of it. It's going to be a grind, isn't it, Michael? Absolutely. And, you know, what can help is being in a niche market. And this is another topic. But if you're in a, a competitive market, you need to have a narrow and clear message of your expertise and how valuable what you do for people is. Exactly. So, for example, we have a client. He's a relationship coach. We'll call him Steve, mainly because that's his name. <laughs> and um, Steve started out by saying, okay, you know what? I help men make their marriages better. Well, there's a lot of people who help men and women make their marriages better. That wasn't really all that compelling. But when Steve started to really get what it was that these men were up against, right? The problem uh, in, in helping their marriages get better was that they weren't paying you know, enough attention to uh, their wives. They weren't listening to their wives. And he really focused on helping them become better listeners, become a better listener. You know that complaint that a lot of wives have, certainly mine, mine has had and my wife-to-be has had, is you don't listen to me, you don't listen to me well enough. Well, Steve's got something to help people take care of that. That's having a clear message. Having a clear message really helps you stand out from that sea of sameness. Because if you're stuck in the sea of sameness, you are not going to stand out. You're going to be just like everybody else, and it's going to be a hard, tough slog. But if you've got a clear message, you'll stand out. People will know who you are. and It'll be easier for you to track clients, right? Absolutely. And one other, in the same vein of, of example, but one of our clients, Adele, she works with married couples and she takes married couples where their marriages become stale and, and literally has them go back to becoming like they were young lovers, holding hands, kissing, all of those wonderful things that if you're in a stale marriage and you hear her message and you want to have that happen again, you're going to instantly recognize her as somebody that can help you. And that's the power of having that clear message. That was brilliant, Michael. I totally love that. That's fantastic. Alrighty then. And that's another segment of Strategies for Growing Your Business. We now go back to our interview with today's guest. It really is interesting. And, and we deal with this very often, right? Most don't have a narrow niche, a narrow enough niche to actually create any kind of relevance that people would go, hey, you know, I, I want to pay attention to you. You really get me. You understand me. So that's one problem. Uh, the other problem is, well, okay, well, if, if someone said, listen, I want to do that, how do you decide what narrow niche or, or place in the market do you start if you don't know exactly what you're going to sell to them? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple different exercises that I would uh, probably recommend, and we talk about these in the book. But so on the one side, look, if you're going to do this, you might as well do something you're interested in and passionate about and have some kind of a competitive advantage. So the first thing is list those things. Now, what are the things that you're really passionate about? List all those things. And then what are the things that 
you sort of understand or have some kind of a talent for that other people don't? Are you really good at chess? I mean, are you a good long distance runner? Do you understand the needs of marketers better than others? Whatever, whatever it is, start listing those things and then you'll start. That's about you, right? That's a very personal thing. But what are things that you really uh, have a step up uh, more than other people do? So that's I want to list that first. And then Hopefully, if you are going to launch a product or service, you have an idea of who the audience is. I mean, nothing frustrates me more, whether you watch it on Shark Tank or something else, where they say, who's this targeted? And you say, anyone would be interested in it. Well, if everyone's interested in it, that means no one's interested in it. You have to, it's like when somebody creates content and they say, oh, this content's appropriate for everybody. It's appropriate for nobody. So we've got to really focus on who that audience is you're trying to target. And we want to get that down to your point. It's as niche as possible. So then what we look is, okay, we've got all these passion areas. We've got all these things we're really good at. And then we've got, oh, here's the audience. And here's all their pain points. And list what keeps them up at night. So we really want to focus on them. And you do all the research about that audience and what keeps them up at night and what they're really struggling with. And that's where you want to then sit with it for a couple weeks to a month and really say, what are, where are the connections at? Where are the connection between my passion, where I have an authority area, and what the needs of the audience are? And I really think if you do your due diligence and you really spend some time uh, and a lot of pacing, you'll start to see that, oh, there's that opportunity. There's something that nobody else can do better than I can do. And then you'll start to test out those opportunities. You know, Joe, they say great minds think alike. Uh, or fools never differ. But I think in this case, it's great minds thinking alike. You're, you're, what you're saying is, is music to my ears and, and, and I'm sure music to Michael's ears as well because this is what we preach on this podcast and inside the uh, work that we do with our clients. Uh, far too many people get out there, get excited about something and haven't got a clue who it could help. They're just excited that they've got something they're passionate about. Um, and... You made a really powerful point about understanding your audience and it doesn't need to be big. I'm speaking to a thought leader right now. She's actually a global thought leader. And one of the things that she's really, really good at is helping people in Hollywood who used to be really big, but uh, their star has dimmed a little bit, get their star back up to its former luster. So there's maybe a hundred people like that in the entire world. But uh, they're a pretty lucrative audience because to, to get themselves back up into the, the highlights, if you will, uh, of, uh, of the culture and of their career would be worth a lot to them. And for just these hundred people, she can have a really powerful targeted message that speaks to their pain points and she can give them a lot of great content on how they can get back up to their former glory. And I think what you, what you said really illustrates that kind of thing. It- it's so hard, though. You're right, because you you generally think bigger. You're, you're thinking, oh, well, if I'm going to launch a company or I'm going to do some kind of initiative, I want a chance to sell to more and more people. And that'll be better. That'll be an advantage. But it actually hurts if you do that. And like you're saying, if you could really focus on what an awesome opportunity for that person you're talking about that knows exactly who they're targeting, exactly what those needs are, and they can satisfy those needs better than anyone else. That is awesome. So that's when when I do this exercise and I do it with a lot of entrepreneurs that are trying to find their niche, we, we keep asking, is it niche enough? Is it niche enough? Because they'll say, okay, what's the total addressable audience? And then, because generally you think, oh, you want the total addressable audience to be huge. Actually, you don't want that. You want it to be smaller and smaller and smaller where you get to a point where you don't have to work as hard or as long to make 
the maximum amount of impact on that audience. So that's why you have to go more niche and more niche and more. So it's not just farmers. It's it may be farmers that uh, work in the the Pacific Northwest. Northwest. It's not even that they they don't just do all crops. They do just corn or just grapes. And it's not just grapes. It's a certain kind of grapes. And it's a certain kind of grapes at a certain time of year. And those you get to start to get that niche down there and say, oh my gosh, that's their pain points are so unique and so different that we have to create content specifically for them because nobody else is doing it that way. And that's where you see the opportunity. And that's what it was, that's what it was like for us with content marketing. Everybody was talking about advertising and marketing in a broader way. And we got to, oh, let's just target this group of people. What are they challenged with? What are they trying to do? And then solve those problems, and nobody else was doing it at the time, and that that gave us the opportunity in three or four years to become sort of the thought leaders in that area. When everyone was thinking bigger, we were thinking, let's just be very specific around this area, and we think would be successful. You know, it is extremely profitable and powerful when you do it, and we uh, we're we're excited about what's what the potential is for the listener when they get this. Now, I myself personally, I'm really curious. You're now into getting close to a decade. Where do you see things going? My position has changed quite a bit. Uh, one of my so I'll just kind of tell you the story. One of my goals is every day I have a notebook with all my goals in it, financial goals, spiritual goals, family goals, career goals. So they're all listed out. I have three or four goals that all have numbers attached to them. And one of those goals from the financial side was to to sell the company at some point. So I knew when we started the company in 2007, the goal was always to sell at some point. I had a specific number in mind, what I wanted to sell that for. We got to that point in 2015, and that's when I began the process to look to see if there was anybody interesting in acquiring Content Marketing Institute. And that happened in June of 2016. So uh, UBM, very large, one of the largest events um, companies in the world, purchased Content Marketing Institute last year. And, uh, So I was able to accomplish that goal. And now uh, my role has changed a lot. I don't do a lot of work in the business. I'm out there speaking. I'm out there writing. I'm basically the rainmaker. I'm the the face of the the brand, if you will. And we have a lot of really smart people that are doing a lot of the day-to-day. So like, for example, last week, I went on a family vacation to Europe with my family and now my you know, teenager, teenage boys, 14 and 15. And it's the first time I was ever offline for more than a day. And it was a great feeling. And I want to do it again and again. <laughs> nice. 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 Good for I was you. offline for 10 days and I'm like, is this what it's like? If, I, if, that's, if this is what it's like, I want more of this. So I'm really looking forward to the future because, uh, you know, and we were able to accomplish something that uh, we were hoping to for a long time that felt in doubt, as we talked about in the beginning, that wasn't going to happen. But uh, we persisted, had that grit, as you talked about. And it took nine years and we ended up selling the company and had, had the exit we wanted. It's fantastic. So that's where things are going for, for that organization. You as the thought leader in this space over the last 10 years, though, what, what do you see happening inside the industry? That What's going to be the next thing? Oh, I think that it's such an exciting time. I mean, so it's 2007 when we started to throw out this term content marketing and nobody really knew what it was. And basically brands creating their own media properties and monetizing those audiences different than, let's say, uh, distracting them with advertising. 
And over the past few years, you've had a lot of programs build their platforms. So you had Red Bull Media House. They've been building this amazing sports uh, platform and media company. Um, you have, uh, you know, Salesforce.com create Dreamforce, which is one of the most valuable events in the world that it's not done by an events company. It's done by Salesforce, a technology company. So we've seen these things happen over the last decade. I think what you're going to see in the next couple of years is you're going to see a lot of companies, all sizes. So whoever's listening to this, you could have a very small company or you could work for a very large company and they're going to start buying platforms. So what you're going to see is you're going to see companies like the Cisco's systems of the world and the Microsoft, they're going to start buying media companies, start buying blogs and podcast platforms and video platforms because what they have is they have a lot of cash, but they, they lack the patience. And so it's set up the perfect environment for that to happen. So most of the mergers and acquisitions that are going to start happening in the media marketing space are not going to happen traditionally through a media company buying another media company. It's going to be through a non-media brand that's going to start buying media companies or influencer sites or blog sites. So if you are a thought leader and you build a platform, the odds are that somebody might come knocking on your door that's not a media company or not another thought leader, but somebody that wants to be a thought leader in that space, and you've built the platform for it, and then you can obviously sell that to them that and get a very music. good multiple. <laughs> that is music to our ears, <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh. We it's huge. I wish more people, I'm with, and you guys can keep talking about it. It's going in the next two to five years. This is going to be a huge opportunity for a lot of thought leaders out there. If you can start thinking beyond, let's say, you and your name as the thought leader and building the platform of thought leadership in your industry, because it's hard to, if I just created JoePolizzi.com, that would be very difficult to sell. But because we created ContentMarketingInstitute.com, but I am, let's say, one of the thought leaders for CMI or the thought leader for CMI was able to sell that and it can detach from me. I can leave CMI and it's going to be fine. And you can monetize that in a different way and you can obviously sell that in a different way. So that would be my recommendation to thought leaders that are building platforms is kind of like you, you guys have where you have a name for it, you position it a certain way. You are the hosts of it. You are the thought leaders of your own platform, but you can separate yourself from it. I think that's very important that you've done that the right way. We'll be right back with the rest of our interview with today's guest. We're here with Mark Von Muser. Mark is Michael and I's mentor. And on top of that, he does a lot of work with us in our highest level mastermind programs to help our clients solve the most pressing problems they have when it comes to taking their thought leadership practice to the next level. And one of the problems that Mark and I were talking about the other day was an issue that a lot of people face, which is they spend a lot of money and a lot of time on their marketing and it doesn't work out. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hey, I'm fantastic. How are you? Oh, man. When I speak to Mark Von Muser, I got a smile on my face and I feel great. <laughs> um, Thank you. So, Mark, that really is a big problem, right? There are yeah. uh, a whole lot of people that you run into, that we run into, who really overspend when it comes to marketing and that don't get a lot of great results. Without a doubt. And this challenge has been going on. Back when magazine ads were the way to market, they said, you need to market more, you need to spend more, and it, it takes longer. But what we've learned over, over a course is that if you have the wrong message, 
it doesn't matter how much you spend because there is so much competition for people's attention now. A vague, act, a missing argument or, or discussion message is not going to resonate with today's buyer. And people try and spend and spend and spend, but the problem isn't your spend. The problem is the power of your messaging. And then secondly, it's the power of the messaging to the right group. You might be having the right message, but you're speaking to the wrong group. And until you get those aligned, uh, you, you're just going to be pissing marketing money down the drain. But there's even something more expensive than the marketing spend. And that's the lost opportunity cost. And that's the lost clients that went to somebody else who had their messaging correct and put it in front of the right groups. Yeah, that's absolutely true. What's one of the things that you would say, just bottom line, that people could do in order to overcome this issue? Well, number one, recognize that your way is not working. You know, quit digging. When You know, that's the old saying, when you're in a ditch, stop digging. So secondly is reach out to somebody that can articulate this with you. I wouldn't say it's an easy fix, but again, there are people out there, Nikki, and, and what you guys are doing is a perfect example. You've taken people with the wrong message, the wrong market, no clients, and within six months, a year, they now have 200, 300 clients. You've taken people that have wasted thousands and thousands of dollars on websites, Facebook ads, magazine ads with no clients. They jump into what get clarity of message, get clarity of market and power of delivery. And now all of a sudden they're making more in a month than they used to make in the previous year or two combined. So that would be the key is the fastest way to fix this is get with somebody who specializes in solving this uh, and then just deal with it. When you have the right system and you have people that have done this over and over and over again, it's actually relatively simple when you have the right recipe. So that's what I would say. The fastest way to do it is quit digging and align and hook up with somebody that will help you clarify your message identify how to find the right market. And then lastly, how can I bring that the most effective way to my clients? And next thing you know, you have a flood of clients, just like you guys are helping everybody in your group. Yeah. We like to say it's the being inside the bottle, not being able to read the label when it's your, yep. you, all the experience that you have, the, the message that you have, you can't see it when you're alone. So trying to do this on your own is just not a winning formula. You need other people around that have done this before that can help you really identify it and quickly take it to market. When you do that, it actually happens pretty quickly. That's right. And then as hard as it's been, as expensive as it's been, all of a sudden it becomes fun because you get to focus on what you do best, which is bringing your magic to your clients. And now you're not having to overspend for ads. You're moving out of scarcity. And best of all, you're serving your clients, having a blast, and you're making more money than you ever dreamed possible. Once you get clarity of message, once you get the right markets and know how to deliver your value, it just rocks. And that same challenging business that's keeping you up at night where you're exhausted, you're tired. Now you can't wait to wake up in the morning because your email box, your phone calls are people asking for your help. Imagine what that would be like. And the other part, Michael, that I love is that you did so much research on this and you research literally experts in this field all over the world. You won't say it, but I'll say it on your behalf. And what you found and what you put together blew my mind. It is so powerful. But without it, you just cannot compete. You can't compete in today's market with the vague message or the wrong message. Even with the right message, if you have the wrong market, you can't compete. It is too competitive of a marketplace. So you really have got to get this dialed in and then get out and start doing what you're great at. Too many people are struggling needlessly simply because they ignore this step. 
No, well said, Mark. Well said. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you uh, with us, Mark, and sharing your wisdom. And listen, folks, if you want to get more of this type of wisdom, we run these workshops on a quarterly basis. They're called the E-Circle Academy Immersion. They're held here in Toronto. They're always on a Wednesday, a Thursday, or a Friday. And if you're interested, go to our website, ecircleacademy.com. It's in the show notes and uh, sign up for one of our upcoming sessions. And you can use a special code for our listeners, T-O-B-T-L-22, T-O-B-T-L-22, and you'll get yourself some special consideration. Thanks again. One of the things that I really like about what you're saying is that You know, there's a lot of thought leaders and aspiring thought leaders that are out there that are trying to figure this whole game out, right? And it's moving so fast, especially from a technology point of view, that sometimes it's a little bit bewildering for people on how to figure this out. But if you know what the end goal is, and I think you've described the end goal for a lot of thought leaders very powerfully, then thought leaders that are listening to this podcast, you can take these steps to make yourself known and valuable. And establishing yourself with your own personal brand, having it be very clear is powerful. And Joe, I would also argue that this is even useful for a lot of larger companies, even Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies, to have individuals in their company associated with them that are already thought leaders moving their message forward. So their message is front and center, but having some people be experts can really help them do this. So for thought leaders like Michael and I and others who are building their platforms, it can be very valuable to do this to help some of these larger companies move the message forward, but it can also be valuable for these companies to look at people like Michael and I who talk about personal branding and thought leadership and bring that into their companies, take some of their high potential people and help them develop their personal brand as experts who can move the company's message forward. What do you think of that? Oh, I totally agree. Actually, my friend Lauren McDonald, who works at IBM, uh, he has been working with them for a long time and he has been trying to um, evangelize the idea of of creating what, exactly what you just say in these larger companies. But basically, grow your own leaders, grow your own thought leaders, help them, teach them how to speak, uh, teach them uh, or help them understand what their core area of expertise is going to be so that IBM is, I mean, they've got hundreds of different areas, areas they focus on and they don't want to have to go to all these events and have to pay for speaking. They want to have thought leaders that could actually you know, show their expertise and go and speak and write about these things. So IBM has a whole program where they do this naturally. So, and by the way, so do a lot of other companies and the companies that don't have it, they're trying to figure that out. So this is this is a huge thing that's happening right now, whether you call it influencer marketing or thought leadership building or whatever the case is, they're all doing it. So if you are somebody that has a specific niche and you understand, hey, here, I need to write about this. I need to get myself out there. I need to build an audience. I need to speak on it. You have an advantage over everyone else out there because every company, whether you're a small entrepreneur or whether you're a large Fortune 500 company, they're all looking to market with their employees. They have to. And if you have a leg up and understand how to do this because you can share stories and build a following that way, you are head and shoulders above everyone else that's sort of doing the day-to-day tasks when what they really want is somebody that understands how to help them market their company. 
You know what? That's powerful stuff. I would love offline to get connected to your friend, Lauren. Sounds like we've got some interesting things to talk about. He might be a potentially even a good guest for us to have on the podcast. But what you're saying is music to our ears because that's a big part of what we want to do going forward. Perfect. I love it. This is, I mean, <laughs> we're all on the same page here. Absolutely. So, however we get connected. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's such a great opportunity today because you can actually reach an audience today where 20 years ago you couldn't. So that means that somebody with even with not a lot of resources, everyone is on the same page because that that process has been democratized. The 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 power has gone from media companies and brands with big advertising budgets to the consumers who have a smartphone device 24/7. They're on. They've got all this information. So now we have the opportunity to do these things where we didn't 20 years ago. Yeah, and it's you know that you you mentioned the word patience. A lot of the larger organizations they don't have the patience to create something like this. And and what's what's cool about it is that the people who do have the patience are typically those that are passionate about what they're speaking about, what they're doing, and they can literally profit from their passion by focus being focused and educating themselves around the right way to do it. But if you take the time and you have the passion and you're persistent with it, you're creating an incredible, powerful message that is is very valuable. And in my opinion, thought leadership and content and content marketing is by far the most impactful way to sell your product or service without actually selling your product or service. Yeah, give it away for free. Give it away for free. And the ones that take it and use it themselves, great. You don't want those customers anyways. You want the 99% that actually say, oh my gosh, this person really has what I need and I don't have the patience or the expertise to do it myself. I'm going to hire them or sign up to the email newsletter or whatever the case is and then you can monetize them in multiple ways. Yeah. God bless your heart for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Joe, hey, I've been in this business for a long time now. Yeah, and it's, it just, shows. it's <laughs> wonderful to man. see that. You're the man. I love that. you, Joe. We love well, you. it's a wonderful to see that people are waking up to this. I mean, when I started in 2000, well, 2001, I started in this industry and people looked at me like I had three heads trying yeah. to say that, you know, advertising is not the way. There's a better way to do it. And especially with large, uh, large brands that we were working with that they've been doing the same marketing for 50, 60 years and really not changing at all. And finally, we're seeing a point where, boy, they have to change. They're, 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 they're getting nervous now because if they don't change, um, they're going to be extinct. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and that, that uh, leads into a question I have around your, the event that you do and, and that you created. Tell us a little bit about that event and who, who are the type of people that go there and what do they actually focus on? Yeah, so Content Marketing World, this is our, our seventh year. We hosted in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, September 5th through 8th. And we, we expect about 4,000 marketing, communication, and, and PR professionals to come this year. Last year, I think we had 74 countries represented. Uh, we're the, believe it or not, we're the, the largest annual business event in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm a Cleveland homer, so Good sorry for about you. that. Sorry yeah. about the Cavs this year, pal. <laughs> it's okay. You know what? We're still, we're still living off the, the Cavs win from last year, so it's okay. We can deal with it. But uh, it basically, if you're trying to figure out these concepts that we're talking about right now, how do you build your platform? How do you build an audience? What kind of content do you create? How do you distribute that? Uh, how do you build your email uh, a database that's going to work? How do you monetize it? All those things we talk about. We have 14 concurrent tracks uh, that we, we focus on, over 200 speakers this year. Um, so, yeah, if, you, if you're interested, we'd love to see in Cleveland, Ohio, September 5th to 8th and, and super Super excited this year, um, just about being able to 
have this many amazing experts in one place. I mean, if you want to meet the the, the creme de la creme of, in the content marketing and thought leadership space, I mean, believe it or not, it'll be in Cleveland September 5th or 8th. So I love Cleveland. Go. I've been to yeah. Cleveland. I love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know what? It, it'd be a pretty good thing for us to to show up. We got to take a look at our calendars for the dates and whatnot. But I'm 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 excited and interested. And listen, if you wanna if you wanna us to put this up uh, in the show notes, we're happy to do it. Just send us a link for it. And if there's anything uh, you want to add as an enticer to our audience, Absolutely. Happy yeah, to I'll do get that you, too. I'll get you, yeah, well, I'll get you coupon code for sure. Uh, for your listeners, anybody that wants to come, we'd, we'd love to have you. I will definitely we do would, that. Uh, we'll, we'd be happy to put that, uh, put that together uh, offline with you. That'd be great. We normally do that at the end of the podcast, but happy to do it now at I'm this just point. Ju- you know, <laughs> ever since I read the book, I've, I've been a, I'm one of those, you know, sitting on the sidelines, actively watching and looking for a date that works for me to attend. So I'm asking from, for my Self, selfishly. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'd like to. I'd like to get there myself too. But you know what? How we like to end every episode, Joe, is we ask you, our guest, to give our listener your top three expert action steps that they can undertake immediately in order to take their thought leadership, their business to the next level. What are yours? Well, I mean, some of this we've talked about, but the first thing I would say is really do whatever thought leadership you're doing right now really do define, can you be the leading expert in the world on that topic? And what I found in working with most thought leaders is they don't think about this question enough. They just do marketing consulting or they, they're a jack of all trades. And I don't think that's good enough anymore. I think you really have to focus on an area where you can be the leading expert in something. So focus on that. The second thing is email is so important. Like if you don't, if you're not building and thinking, first of all, if you don't have an email offering that's truly valuable and original, you're probably not making it. So I want you to think about your email call to action on your, on everything you do. I mean, you want to have this great, amazing email, and then you want to make sure that that's what your focus is on. So if you're thinking about, oh, I'm going to do a podcast, I'm going to do a video series, I'm going to do a blog, those are fine. Those are all platform builders. But what I want to do is I want to call to action around email because email is where you can monetize. Whether you launch events, whether you do consulting, whether you launch subscriptions, whether you're looking for advertisers, doesn't matter how you're going to monetize it. If you don't have an email newsletter, it's very, very hard to do that. Um, For example, if you want to start a launch a podcast or an event and you don't have the number of names that you can distribute to to promote that on email, you're going to have to pay for a lot of that. And a lot of uh, thought leaders don't have that. So those are those are, I mean, sort of one, two and three things. So focus on that passion area that you can actually be the leading expert in the world from a thought leadership standpoint. And then second, get your email deliverable in order. And then three, every call to action that you think about, you want to make sure that you have a, that opportunity in front of them, whether that's a popover or whether that's on the side of the page, whether that's in your emails, in your signature line, whatever it is, you want to get that out there and grow that email list. I love it, Joe. That's fantastic. I got to tell you, this has been one of my favorite episodes, especially when it comes to having a meeting of the minds. You're an awesome guest. Come back anytime. And we'd love to be a guest on your podcast if there's ever an opportunity to do that. And I'm going to really look at uh, seeing if we can make the event. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Love the chat. It was fun. Great meeting you, Joe. Take care. Michael, Joe Polizzi, 
What a great pronunciation he has of his name and what an amazing, amazing thought leader he is. I don't think we've had anyone on the show who has been so clearly aligned with our mission and our vision and the way we see the world. Absolutely. I remember listening, I actually listened to his book on Audible and I remember listening to it. It's just, just he just lays it out in such a fantastic way. And now this, I'm not surprised actually having a conversation with him. He's just a, a stand-up person and he's a, he's a person that, uh, he's a dude. <laughs> he's just a he's dude. A dude. You he's know, a dude. it's like, wow, what a cool, cool guy. So uh, what a pleasure. And hopefully you, the listener, got as much value as both Nikki and I did out of that. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, what Joe Polizzi said about niching or niching, as he put it, and narrowing your, your niche further and further and further and how powerful that can be to help you grow your practice and grow your business, that one thing alone is worth the price of admission. And that's a lovely segue, Michael, into what we're going to talk about next, which is we have an incredible tool, a, a powerful one-pager called the Authority Marketing Blueprint. Michael, Tell the listener why this is so great, why they want to get a copy of this. Well, uh, everything that Joe spoke about today, the power of being an authority in your market uh, and the steps to do that, we have a blueprint. It's 10 steps. You follow these 10 steps. You can do one at a time. You can do them all at once if you like, but just one of these on this list will transform your business completely. If you just actually apply these things, they will start to attract great clients to you. And that's going to mean a whole lot in terms of future revenue and possibility for your business. So go and download it. Authorityrocks.com is where you're going to find that. Really simply, authorityrocks.com. You know what, Michael? That's such a simple uh, link to remember, authorityrocks.com. What's powerful about this blueprint is that it's on one page. You know, Winston Churchill, the great British wartime leader, said that if a plan is longer than a page, I'm not going to read it. It's not simple enough. It's not powerful enough. It's not direct enough for it to be implemented and executed. That's why we put everything in this blueprint, everything on this plan on one page. It's perfect to help you clarify your personal brand, which is super important for helping you stand out and get out of that sea of sameness where you're going to look just like everybody else. So go ahead, go to that website, authorityrocks.com, and get your copy of the Authority Marketing Blueprint today. Well, that wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. To find out more about today's guest and to get all sorts of valuable, free, and wonderful content, you can go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.